0: So, Scotty, if Turkey attacked Iraq from the rear, do you think Greece would help? Oh my God, John! I can't believe you just said that.
1: <laughs> really, we've, oh. we we have not been on air for uh, for uh, three weeks, and that is the first thing you come back with.
0: <laughs> That's true. You can you can take the boy out of kindergarten, <laughs> but you can't take the kindergarten out of boy.
1: So, you've been in a we've not spoken for a while, we've been a Crossing different ways across the Atlantic and, and just missing each other all the time. So, but you, you've been in Greece. Tell us about it.
0: Uh, it was great. Uh, you know, I went back again. I was a, a, a very happy guest of the the Dutch Embassy there, um, who, as you know, created the the Orange Grove a couple of years ago, and and. Uh, I was invited to do a number of different things, one of which was to participate in a brainstorming session because the Orange Grove itself, which started as a direct project of of the embassy, um, which was housed and still is in the the first floor where the embassy is, has actually expanded. They've opened up another location in Patras, and they've been spun out as their own NGO, um, which is great. And uh, so there was a meeting with a bunch of people, um, people from the embassy, people who were the directors there running it now, and a number of of people from from abroad who have been involved, um, and I was one of them. And uh, so we had a nice uh, all-day offsite about that, and then uh, there was an event called Startup Stories, where a bunch of, uh, of there was a panel of, of four people, um, led by this other guy, a fellow named Robin, who uh, created essentially what was the, the the Dutch eBay, which was then acquired by eBay. Um, and so he, he led that discussion. So there was a, you know, we were telling stories of what it was like, you know, having startups and, and the, the, the good, bad and ugly of it. And that was lots of fun. And then uh, the following Thursday night, uh, there was the, the Squeeze, which is their pitching competition on which I was a judge. And that was great. And, uh, and then on Friday, I spent a bunch of time uh, mentoring the, some of the startups that were there. And I couldn't do that beforehand because it would have prejudiced my judging. But I will say that uh, there's really been quite a, an impressive growth in the in the the, the level of sophistication of of, of the companies there, and which is great to see. Um, the winner of of the squeeze, I, I was very very happy to vote for them. It's a, a female founded company called Tessabit, and uh, they. Uh, produce software which uses data that comes from, you know, wind turbines and, uh, you know, biodigesters and, and you know, really it's, a, it's software that they use that can that, that can be used to increase the efficiency of, of industrial processes. They happen to have, have gotten their start with, with wind turbines because it's a, a very obvious thing. I certainly learned a lot that I did not know that, that you know, if, if, if you purchase a wind turbine, if you go out and, and write a check to, to GE or, or Siemens or you know any of the other companies that manufacture it, uh, they all come with with data feeds. You can you can you can have oceans of data from your turbine, and you can have the ability to control your turbine. But they the manufacturers themselves they don't do software, which was surprising to me, although it makes sense in the long run. So that it provides an opportunity for third parties such as them to be able to you know. Uh, get efficiency gains, which this company is able to do on the order of 10 percent or more, sometimes you know, quite a bit more, uh, by adjusting the 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 position of, of, of an individual turbine in the wind or the the blades. Or, you know, to adjust a single one in relationship to others that are in a farm, because if you change the direction of, of one turbine, it changes the wind flow of the, the ones behind it or near it. Um, so you can optimize for the, the overall efficiency of, of, a, of a wind farm. It's fascinating stuff and, dare I say, totally useful. Um, and I'm so happy that, that, that they won. Um, and. I think how cool is that to to see a startup working on on something like that in a place that you might not expect to see that that type of innovation. Um, so it, it was great. That's that's really cool. That I, I mean, this whole thing about doing
1: something for the, that the manufacturer doesn't do, uh, you know, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because. Often if uh, a manufacturer's piece of hardware has a data feed, they do supply a piece of software. But let's face it, it's usually the crappiest piece of software in existence. Of course. Yeah. But because it, just, because it just about does what it's supposed to do, it sort of not kills, but makes a market for the third party software quite difficult. Whereas by just not doing it, uh, they've uh, opened a probably going to get better software
0: uh, and give someone else an opportunity. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah, and it provides a nice exit strategy for them because they know this and they're essentially leaving it up to the market and they'll just acquire whichever company is the best and I, I certainly hope this is this is among those companies and and I actually think it will be.
1: Yeah, that's a yeah, it's a good idea actually the manufacturer can just uh, let someone else do the experimentation and uh, then say right okay, thank you very much. We well, we'll have you. Here's uh, here's millions of uh, dollars or euros or whatever it might be. So, I mean we spoke before you went a little bit about how um, you know, Gr- Greece's economy is pretty much still down the toilet. It's the understanding that you know I have from being outside of Greece, and you know the startup culture is often associated with a reasonably vibrant economy and there being lots of money around and swilling around the pot um, to to go. I mean, you know, there's the saying in Silicon Valley at the moment is that any schmuck can raise a million dollars. Um, but you know how how does this startup culture fit in the current economic climate? There is it is it like a uh, standing out is something sort of that's not really yeah uh, you know, it, is it really emerged in the whole economy and understands the place it's at and um, has some great ways of dealing with it or is it like this sort of like weird sort of Words maybe the wrong word, but like sect that just happens to exist in the state of an economy?
0: Well, I mean, it is certainly a bit of an outlier in that, you know, Greek is, Greece is definitely a statist economy, you know, that that I think something like 40% of, of of all employment is by the state, and that's, that's known to be not sustainable, and that that's kind of uh, among the things of, of the austerity package is, is, is to cut down on that. Um, just because the the state itself does not have the money, and also it's kind of from the long run, it just doesn't lead to much innovation. Um, but the other interesting thing is that you know people know about the, the the crisis, but I think also people know that that Greece was the the landing point from from the waves of refugees that came from from Syria and and Turkey and Afghanistan through through you know Turkish islands you know close to to Lesbos and and, and then up through Greece and. Uh, as a result, since it was there taking place in there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, relatively speaking, uh, you know, quite a bit of money that came in um, for for both, uh, you know, uh, Government and, and and private NGOs who are operating in the field, and that has actually provided a little bit of economic boost. You know, it's it, it, to the extent that money has come there. They purchase, you know, they're purchasing food, material, you know, training people, hiring people. Um, in fact, even one of the, the the companies that that you know the, the companies that I that I. Um, spent a lot of time with is, is this, this this couple Stavros and Maria who run this thing called the cube which was I, I believe the very first co-working space in in, in Athens and so uh, they house a number of companies and you know since there was a downturn there was a downturn in in, in their you know the number of companies that were there but now they actually house a number of, of, of NGOs and they themselves run a, a sole you know a, a school a self-directed online learning uh, environment. You know so the, the, the this is a totally delightful couple absolutely the dynamic duo of of of, of startup and maker scene that they that's there and and they are really you know the 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 kings and the king and queen of this um so in addition to hosting the the official you know maker fair in athens and having all sorts of, of meetups every week all sorts of events going on you know that they have, have really helped a lot and so while I was there you know I witnessed it it was it was amazing you know there was there was a time when you know there was a, a Friday there when uh, uh, there were uh, the UN um, uh, uh, high, the UNHCR, the High Commission on Refugees they were there operating basically helping people out they were having a kind of a drop-in center where people are, are getting their lives together and and you know people have seen all sorts of images what I think most people don't understand that even to have gotten out of the Country, you already ha- have to have been kind of well established in the middle class in Syria, and the people that are were floating in the ocean and arriving in Europe are teachers, doctors, lawyers, dentists—you know, all sorts of, of, of professionals—and uh, you know, you, <laughs> you give them the slightest chance, even after they've been plucked from the ocean and, and brought to a country that, that that was not their own, they're they're, they're doing wondrous things. Um, so it, it was it was. For me, you know, because I studied international relations and kind of decided not to go into the, the world of diplomacy because I, I just didn't see a, see myself doing it in America, where where the diplomatic corps is is, is far more politically motivated um, than it is in, in other countries. Uh, meaning that you know, that you, as as you see when every whenever there's an administration change diplomatic poster are given out to, to people who, who raise the most money for for whoever the incoming president is and you know that it kind of the, the 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 career diplomats themselves can be disrespected and pushed to the side every four days, four to eight years so i kind of didn't want to do that but seeing these things you know the, these these small organizations operating in in the face of crisis um was 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 very interesting to me. It kind of brought together parts of my life that I kind of had forgotten about, forgotten about all the way back from from my my days in university. But it, it's nice to see people who who have both technical skills and the heart to be able to to put it to good use.
1: Yeah, I'd totally forgotten you studied international relations, and I have to say, you know, if if I was like one of these careers officers who had to sit down with someone and work out what's uh, a great job for you to be. A diplomat wouldn't have been near the top of the list, especially with opening remarks like you made today. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs>
0: Maybe that's yes. why. Exactly. There we are. Yeah. But um,
1: who knows, you could have been a super
0: diplomat, but the world would have uh, lost out on you in many other ways. That's true. Thank you. So um, that was that was my trip. Um, and it was also nice to, to spend a little time in, in, in London. I got to visit a part of uh, you know South London, which I'd I'd not seen. I'd, I'd read a lot about it, and, and you know London is a city like all others that is gentrifying like crazy, and neighbor neighborhoods that you know you only heard about in songs by the Clash, you know, like about Brixton, the guns of Brixton. There there are no guns left in Brixton, just you know for expensive coffee places. Um, anyways, yeah, Brixton, but- Brixton was probably one of the very early
1: gentrifications places. I mean, Brixton has been a high end for ten years or so now. It's yeah, it's. Uh, yeah I mean I mean the key in in London well I, I'm not going to say the key because I think it's it's I get gentrification I get the fact that people want to live in a nice city and I think um unfortunately the statistics do say that as areas get gentrified they tend to get a little bit safer um however to lose some of these authentic places from from our cities is is quite sad but um you know I I appreciate people want to one of the liver places um unfortunately money drives everything um and so if you don't have it you become disadvantaged in the whole thing i mean but the key like anywhere is to work out where's going to gentrify next and buy buy now and you know make a killing on it later but uh you know that's uh it's a bit crappy but i guess it's the the, the world we live in if you want to do city dwelling these days yeah so talking about city dwelling john um WWDC is moving cities this year. That was a really weak link, but there we are. It's the best I could do. I'm not not, not as good as you.
0: Um, Did you go for a ticket? Did you go into the lottery? I did, and surprisingly, I got one. And then I kept wondering why it was until... Uh, my friend hit me to the idea that that you know there were probably far fewer applications from people from overseas who say I, I just don't want to participate in the in the shit show that's taking place at the U.S. border these days, which makes sense to me. You know, so I, I I'd be curious to know what the the numbers are as they, they they announce them because usually at the beginning of the show they they always talk about the number of people from from the the number of different countries, but uh, I suspect that they 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 had some. <laughs> some 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 drop in numbers that could be wrong
1: though i I did get the feeling that i mean obviously more people didn't get um tickets than last year because it's the same number of rough they've already said there's the same rough number of tickets however it did feel to me that a higher percentage of people who i'd heard who i knew who applied got tickets this year which Hmm. does suggest that the application rate was down. And and that's purely based on, you know, no evidence other than, you know, seven people I know type of thing. Um, Because I got a ticket as well. Hmm. Um, To be honest, the first time I think I've applied since 2013, 2014. um, uh, Yeah, I know um, two other people in my town who didn't get tickets. So it's, yeah, there were still people who didn't get tickets. It was still sold out. So that's uh, um, good and bad. Uh, But yeah, I think the whole uh non US people traveling. Um I would think particularly from uh nations um in certain parts of the world where uh, let let's let's say the uh US policy recently has uh, not been the friendliest. Um yeah, I should imagine that the people just were thinking if this is just gonna to be too much of a hassle. But uh anyway, we have tickets, so congratulations to you, commiserations to those who didn't um didn't get well. Now you, you obviously you're a San Francisco man. You you live there. You've you've had the privilege for the last um, ten years or so of just wandering into Dub Dub in the morning from your house and wandering back home every evening. Um, now Dub Dub is what 45 miles away from you, something like that. Uh, you're going to have to um, be like the rest of us and in, in, you know leave home for a week, or are you going to uh, face the Caltrain every day
0: yeah I, I don't know yet. Um, I have a friend who who is uh, showing up there and and i'm I'm going to uh, invite myself to to crash on the couch or wherever you end up. <laughs> so I hope you've made plans for me. Um, or I may just go during the you know uh, I may just go during the day and 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 not stay every evening. I am I'm hoping and kind of assuming that they'll hold the bash at the spaceship. that will you know, I will definitely want to come out and see that. Oh, no, no, you've missed that. It's in a, it's in a local park in, San, in uh, San Jose. For real? Yes,
1: no, they, that's de- those details are on the Dub website, yeah. Oh, wow, you've just harshed my buzz. I know, John, but you know, if you don't keep up with this world news, then you know, what can I say?
0: Mm. Too busy saving the world.
1: Yeah, letting our listeners down, letting our listeners down.
0: Speaking of listeners, we have. I I was kind of stunned. We had uh, actually a number of feedback letters. Letters. We get letters. We get so so many letters. Letters. Are you going to read a letter?
1: Yeah, we, we had a few people vying to be our one listener actually, which is um, <laughs> <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but I, I I think we still do only have one listener. They just run a rotor because no one can actually no <laughs> one can actually uh uh take that pain in one go. Uh, Yeah, we had we had a couple of uh, uh, letters um, just encouraging us. Some of them. Uh, Okay, now we had a a letter from Ignacio, who I think that's how we pronounced his name last time. Who who has written to us before to encourage us, Um, and uh, he said, "John, you pronounced his name right last time. So, is that how you pronounced it? Do you remember?"
0: I think it was Ignacio.
1: Ignacio. There we are. See, you've got right. So, uh, just a few letters of encouragement from him. Um David Ronquist uh, sent us one as well telling us uh, he um I like this one. He he likes the contrast between the indie and the corporate employee. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> John, you are a corporate employee.
0: Yeah. <laughs> corporate. And, and,
1: it is, and it is true, but I guess um you know that raises a good point. That you know, in, in the past the corporate employee tag was you know about a cube culture no respect, um, you know, it was uh, really, really, like, can seen as a, as a dull way of working. Um, and the startup culture and its growth and, you know, the success of companies like Netflix have equally in many ways changed um, the way, not you know, not in certain industries I know, but, you know, the way corporates work, partly because, you know, corporates need staff as much as anyone else needs staff and um, maybe this is more uh, California true than maybe other parts of the world Um, but you know corporates have had to possibly change the way they work as well in order to compete for staff and so therefore the startup culture I think has probably had a positive effect on uh, the way tech employees are treated full stop and I don't just mean trendy things like a chef and a, a canteen I mean that's not you know that's that, that's nice, but it's not an important part of life. I'm talking about, um, you know, the, the culture, the work culture within businesses, I think, has become, uh, has been changed by the success of startups.
0: I, I have to absolutely agree. I mean, I think that, the, the, you know, the, the freedom and responsibility culture that had, was pioneered by Netflix um, seems to have spread you know, I mean, and 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 it's 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 something that is is well understood. I mean, the the, the Netflix culture deck really has been used by lots of other companies to to, to to say this is how we want to run our company. It just it makes sense. So you know, I think that that is good, um, and I think that that it you know I think that. Uh, for me, having only ever done startups, my own companies and companies I co-founded, uh, it's been it, it continues to be an interesting ride to be able to, to you know, now be you know, an employee at a, at, a, at a fairly large company. Not, not terribly large by by Silicon Valley standards, but definitely much larger than any that I ever imagined uh, working at. Uh, it continues to be good, and I, I'm I'm kind of knocking on wood because uh, I, I I kept thinking when's the other shoe going to drop, but it hasn't so far, and I, I really don't anticipate it doing so either. So,
1: and uh, if you remember last time we were on air, I um I was having well, let me um use Joe Heck's words, an amusing rant and grumpifying about Chef. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Well, to, to uh, I think excellently summed up, Joe, thank you. Um, uh, if you remember, I was trying to deploy a Rails app and, on Heroku and it wasn't working and I gone dropped to um, uh, using, or dropped one word, moved to using Linode and having to deploy this stuff myself and I was learning Chef and uh, I was sort of ranting about the amount of effort I was having to put into learning this stuff Um and uh, Joe sent a really useful email saying um, you, know, you know chef is this very powerful and very big tool um, and he suggested if I have to do this stuff maybe look at ansible, uh, which I thought was a very good suggestion however, um, I have a couple of updates on uh, on 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 this product and <laughs> um, So before I go into why I haven't gone for Ansible, let me just uh, explain some stuff that's gone on. Now, remember, I moved to looking at Chef because I couldn't get the app to deploy on Heroku, which is supposed to be this like one line, easy deploy rails thing. And it was just failing. I couldn't get anything out of the error message. I couldn't work out from the error message despite hours and hours of um, Googling and and research how, how to do this. It was so generic. And then um it was while I was doing some deployment in Chef uh and some Chef scripts I suddenly noticed that um I was using a beta version of Rails that, that I'd installed to try and uh look at some differences and totally forgotten. Uh and the moment I dropped back to the release version of Rails, my one-line deployment to Heroku worked perfectly. Um so not only did I, in that instance, waste sort of eight to ten hours, not waste, you know, or invest eight to ten hours learning Chef and still hadn't got that far, um, you know, I and then have a rant about it, the reality was I didn't actually need to if I'd just been a little more careful <laughs> in what was in my gem file. Um, so that was interesting, uh, or not, as the case may be, but then... Um, And this was always something I was aware of, which is why I was going at a reasonably slow pace um, and I wasn't getting too hung up on stuff, is I knew that things... If you remember, this was for something I was doing called ReviewCast, which was handling iTunes reviews in certain ways for people. Um, Now, with the release of iOS 10.3, developers have the ability to respond to of um customer reviews uh not not with a f- um thread based conversation but they can make one reply to a review and then the person can edit their review and then you edit the response i'm sure people have uh, heard lots about this already on other podcasts or blogs um and so I, one of the reasons i was doing this i thought well reviews are going to become more important again because people are going to need to know more about them however the, one of the things that I wondered if would happen is whether Apple would update their really awful interface to developer reviews uh, to, um, customer reviews within iTunes Connect, um, which was one of the motivations for doing review cast in the first place was finding and reading reviews on uh, iTunes Connect was really, really difficult. But with 10.3, they have um, updated the interface quite a lot and in doing so they have probably um made redundant what i would have said would have been the top three features not every feature by any means of review cast um and so that's put me in a position now that i i have decided that i am just gonna wait and see a little bit now on this one because it's um you know it's it's main selling points uh uh, not that i was going to really, you know, make huge amounts of money or anything from this, but the main reasons for it have sort of gone away. I'm going to wait and see, give it a, a couple of months and see how people, you know, start using this stuff and, and make a decision whether I push on with this anymore. So, as much as people have enjoyed enjoyed my product updates for the last few months, as they've um, uh, you know said in a number of emails. Um, my current product update is I'm putting it on hold. I'm not saying I'm killing it, but there's a chance that I will do. Um, so now I am, you know because I wanted a fairly short project. I'm back in the going back to my notes and seeing what was what was next on the list in there, which I haven't mm. actually decided yet. So, um, here we are, John. You have seen the rise and failure of a startup. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's always important not, to fail or non, fast. Non startup. Yeah, no, no, I agree, and, and I said I was aware of this, and I knew that. By part of me was, part of me was saying, well, I should just wait till after Dub Dub to, um, to even start because I should because uh, I thought Dub Dub might be when we see some of this stuff. Obviously, Ten Three uh, came out before that, so that's good. Um, which, but I purposely I've, I, I have held off on certain things, like I've not engaged, you know. This has been a spare time project, but I've not spent any money on designers and I- icons and, and stuff like that at this stage because I knew it. This might be a possibility, so um, you know, it's uh, now, now if people um, are actively using the review stuff in iTunes Connect, I'd totally disagree that it. This is a, 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 a far more usable uh, thing now. It's just little things. I mean, these were these were all little things. So, for example, previously in iTunes Connect. Um, if you wanted to read a review, you had to go through each country and look at the reviews. Whereas now, they've aggregated them into one list that you could filter by country if you wish to. But you now get the whole list. Um, you know that sounds like a tiny little feature, but if you're trying to uh, trying to manage quite a few reviews, that's you know you know going through a hundred and whatever it is countries to see if there are any new reviews is a complete pain in the backside. Um, that has gone away now by looking at one screen. I'm not saying that the iTunes Connect um interface is perfect, but I'm saying it has it has uh fixed some of the main issues that it had. Um and it also gives a bit of education. Again, this isn't like, oh I'm suddenly surprised by this and you know how, what an idiot I should have thought of it. I had thought of this stuff through and I decided to take the gamble, which is why I was only doing this as a side thing and not like quitting my job or anything to do it. Um, is basing a product on That, shall we say, the inadequacies of of something else is a reasonably high risk strategy because those inadequacies can always be fixed, Um, just like you are. So, yeah, that's my update there.
0: Well, look at it this way you know, uh, you can forget about being Sherlock. Eventually, now people will say, oh, yeah, I was review casted.
1: Yeah, I don't, I think those days are gone dry. I think Sherlock is the one. And I have, yeah, there we are. So I'm going back. I had a number of ideas. I'm going back through the others. The trouble is a lot of those ideas were to do with being, um Yeah, were to do with software and everything in my profile says I shouldn't be an indie software developer and fighting the urge to just ignore that and say, no, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll get over it this time. Do whatever else. I'll, I'll put in the, you know, I'll, I'll get over those inadequacies that if, of my personality that are, um would we'll make this really hard. Um to not fall into that trap and to be incredibly pragmatic because it's ideas on there I'd love to do. Um but um uh yeah I- I'm trying to be real but uh we'll see over the next couple of weeks we'll see how well um how well that uh, that works out for us. Me Well you know.
0: I have an uh, I have an idea, Scotty. Go for it. Why don't we talk about the uh the new Mac Pros that are eventually coming
1: yeah, I think, um, this, the, the interesting thing here is for me anyway, and people, yeah, this has been talked to death by many podcasts. So we're going to give it a couple of minutes because, um, I think, uh, it was David, yeah, David Ronquist in his, uh, um, email said the 30 form, the 30 minute format keeps it fairly focused and keeps waffling to a minimum smiley face. Um, I'm not sure about the, uh, the, the the waffling to a minimum but there we go uh, <laughs> it keeps it to a minimum of 30 minutes um is even though the lack of updates since 2013 to a Mac Pro annoys many developers um actually most of us have come to the conclusion we no longer need a Mac Pro to develop with. Now, now there are definitely segments of industry that do need Mac Pro. So I would say definitely the video industry. Um need need, you know, multi-core uh beast processing machines. Um and I'm not saying there aren't projects inside that certain projects that developers have that where you know a 12 core machine is gonna make light work of your um you know an enormous project, especially if it involves Swift where the compile times are a a lot lower, uh, higher, sorry. Um, however, I would say the 15 inch MacBook Air is probably the stock developer machine these days. Um, especially now it was updated back in October. Um, that is a pretty decent development machine. Um, and then of course there's the iMac. Uh, I use the first version of the 5k iMac maxed out. Um, so that's what, late 2014 I think so there's been a couple of revs since then to it but I've not felt the need to change so that's got a 4 gigahertz 4 core processor and 32 giga RAM reasonably fast SSD um, and they but you know those two options are particularly good developer machines and if they do bring out an iMac Pro um, which is rumoured as well um, you know that's going to probably be a, a, an excellent choice for developers as well so I think the existence of a Mac Pro or a better Mac Pro is good news, not because we as developers are craving faster machines to work with, but because I think the feeling is if Apple are not prepared to work on high-end hardware uh, for a small segment of the market, now, you know, that will possibly only filter down to becoming more and more consumer only hardware over time. And, you know, the great developer machines we have now that do exist may start being compromised. And I think, you know, you you want your hardware company to be producing something that is the top end of everything, um, you know, really glitzy, even if you don't need it, because it just makes you know, where you sit within that structure feel better or, or am i talking crap
0: no i think you're totally right i think that the, the innovation has always come down the fact that you have consumer machines that are are would have easily be considered pro machines not more than a couple of years ago only is the case because there is an investment in the high end so I am happy that they're doing it. I hope it's not too late for for certain segments who may have just said, you know, we've already switched and, and the software is the same, you know. So who cares? But we'll see. You know, I think it, it is interesting to see that Apple is very open about it now, which is definitely a change. So,
1: well, I think see. I don't think that's something that's coming out of choice. Well, obviously, it's a choice no. whether they do it or not. I think I think they. Th- this is just my interpretation. I think they've realized that they've made a mistake. They've not actually said those words, but, you know, I, I I would imagine there has been some form of battle going on inside Apple about whether we need a Mac Pro or don't need a Mac Pro, and the we don't need a Mac Pro side has been winning, and now that that's been going on long enough that they can see the outcome of that, someone has said, this isn't working, we need to do something about this. Uh, oops, this is going to take us a year to sort out. In a year's time, this may be irrecoverable. We actually need to break the mold and, and say something. That's, I mean, maybe it's not that desperate or whatever, but I think, yeah, this is, this is, um, yeah, I think this is damage limitation going on here. This is not the way Apple would like to announce a new Mac Pro. Um, you, know, you know, Apple would like to announce it from under a black cloth, totally by surprise It's um, you know, event, probably a dub dub or something. Uh, But realize that, yeah, doing that in 12 months time or or even 24 months time, it will be too late and everyone will say who cares. And so they're having to try and um, give confidence in uh, in what they're doing, Um, whether that's worked or not amongst those who buy the Mac Pros. Only time will tell,
0: I guess. Yeah. Well, Scott, you know, it would be a terrible mistake. John, I'm going to let you say I can guess, but I'm going to let you say for us to let this episode go on too much longer so if people want to tell you uh uh you know what a what a mistake your whole existence is how can they do that on the internet
1: well they can get hold of me on twitter is macdevnet, and of course they can contact um by email the show using feedback at ideveloper.co cool
0: and if you want to say mean things to to me, um, don't. But if you insist, you can do it on Twitter as I, where you can find me as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the West African drum.
1: Well, it's uh, thirty-four and a half minutes. We've added an extra fifteen percent of waffling for people. Um, so hopefully, there's been some uh, interest in there. John, it's been great to talk to you again after a few weeks, and um, hopefully, we'll be back next week. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And until next time, you take care.